welcome to the only podcast certified by every major console manufacturer. It's This Game Wear Podcast with me, Chris, and over there, little Eggy Ashley. Me, Ashley! I'm going to cut that out, you shithead. No, you Eggy boy. I am. Eggy boy. Definitely going to take that out. Uh, you used one of my introductions. I did. Oh, yeah. They're the best ones. Everybody will know when they come up because they're much better in quality than your ones. I mean, they're all scraping their barrels somewhat, aren't they? Let's be honest. No, I put some proper quality into mine. And that one's quality. Podcast certified by Major Conyon. Why did you choose that one? Why did you choose that one? Uh, It just jumped out at me as being one that seemed all right. Okay. Yeah. How are you, Ashley? All right. Thank you. How are you? Good. I am great. Thank you. Huh. 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 What? Nothing. Just... Just uh, being... Just being needlessly suspicious of you. As per... Is there anything you want to tell um, our lovely listeners about? No. No, me neither. Am I supposed to? Is this supposed to be something that I... Am I holding something back? I'm just trying to warm you up, get you all, you know... I know, yeah, and I'm purposefully resisting. I don't know why, but that's just... You're How in, things are going to go today. You're in one of those moods, are you? Right, well, let's capitalise on your sour mood and get straight on with the actual content that people have come here for. Okay, fine. I won't show you my two coronavirus tests. Both negative. Yeah, go over it, mate. Everyone else has. Do you want to see... What do you mean? <laughs> what does that mean? I don't know. Does that mean that you've... Uh, You've returned to normality. Are you... Oh, you just got back to normal, have you? Oh, I just wanted to get back to normal. Oh, why can't things just be normal? Yeah, that's what you've been saying for the last few months, is it? Yeah, definitely. And now you're there, are you? Are you there? Are you there? Are you normal again? Was that it then? You wanted to show, show me two negative coronavirus tests? Well, I fiddle with things, and now they were the two things that I ended up fiddling with. And at the time, you were asking me if I wanted to talk about anything. So I thought, well, I'm fiddling with these, so here's some tests so cool. I showed you. Okay. Do you have to do tests for your profession? Yes, twice a week. Huh. Even at times where you're not at work? Yeah. Really? Yeah. That's weird. Just in case I catch it. Yeah. Okay, but you're not at work. No, but I still Weird. might catch it. This week, we are playing this game where you don't play as an ant. It's a game that was developed in Sheffield, and it features... Hey- oh, no. And it features oh, no. heinous oh. cross-corporate advertising. For Chupa Chups. So you know the game, then? Yeah. What's the game? Zool. It is Zool, what we are playing today. Hmm. Yeah. I own a cartridge of this. Yeah, me too. You're not special. You actually have the cartridge? Yeah. No, I know I'm not special. I sh- I wish I didn't own the cartridge. That's why I was telling <laughs> you. <laughs> right. Why is that? Well, because it's not it's not very good, Zool, is it? I remember it being fine. Well, mm, a- You liar. All right. Okay. I don't really have very good memories of this game either, but we're doing it this week for a special reason. Because- is that because they've... Decided to remaster the the shit out of it. Yep, that was the uh, the technical term they used in the the press release. We're remastering the shit out of this. Yeah. So I don't know if you're going to talk about this, but the National Video Game Museum. I think I've mentioned this to you before, but the National Video Game Museum in Sheffield they seem to have an absolute hard on for Zool. I've no idea why, other than the fact that it was made in Sheffield and they yeah. have a, re- a relationship with the 
former developers of of, of said game. Yeah, Therefore, they're, like, they're, local they're, hero. that's probably why. Local hero mm. is it Bone Loaf that they that did they um, go on to make Gang Beasts? Bone was that, Loaf, what are you about? Yeah, Bone Loaf, the developer, the studio. Bone no, Loaf. this was developed by Gremlin. No, uh, I know it was developed by Gremlin. Sorry. But didn't the people that worked at Gremlin go on to develop Gang Beasts as the developer Bone Life? Didn't they oh. create the studio Bone Life after Gremlin? Not a clue. Or have I just got all of that right around my neck? They're all from Sheffield. It sounds like you made up, to be honest, those names. No. No, no Bone Life is definitely a thing. Gang Beasts. It's a wrestling game. Have you never? No. Never seen Gang Beasts? Oh, yeah, I think you'd quite enjoy the premise, so... I'll maybe show you that in the half-time. I'll let you talk now. Go on. All right, cheers. Sorry about that. Zool was released in October 1992 on a plethora of consoles, and I dabbled with Zool on different consoles before actually owning it myself. It came out on the Acorn Archimedes, and bizarrely, I had a copy of this at school. I'll say I had a copy of it at school. It was available at school. What do you mean, bizarrely, you had a copy of this at school? What does that mean? I remember year four. You mean you were playing it at school? Mm, I remember... In my oh. year four classroom, that there was the Acorn Comedies in the classroom and there was a copy of Zool. It just seems like that a strange is thing. genuinely very odd, given the fact that it was the game was designed to sell Chup Chups lollies to kids. Yeah, exactly. I have so no idea. So to have it in an educational setting yep. seems a little bit uh, immoral. Yes, I and agree. I'm wondering how much the school was paid for it. By Chupa Chups. Yeah. It came out on the Amiga and one of my neighbours had it on the Amiga and I played it round his gaff. It also came out on the Atari, the PC, the Game Boy, the Game Gear, the Master System, the Mega Drive, and the SNES. Basically everywhere. This Yeah, unnecessarily everywhere. Everywhere in October 1992. I think I got it in 1995 for the... Well, I definitely had it on the Mega Drive, and I think it would have been about 1995 um, that we got the copy of it secondhand, and I think it was my brother who had it rather than me. So I ended up having it three years late to the party, and that was when I kind of got into it a bit more after my initial forays with it, neither of which had been particularly positive ones. So it wasn't exactly a game I was particularly keen on playing, but no. it was there nonetheless. Are you expecting this to be something that is turned around today? Are you expecting to play Zool and be like, oh, now I understand? I would like that to be the case because I want this to be a bit of a celebration for Zool as a character. With this re-release happening this week, but we have played several games that I had good memories of and came away with a sour taste. If I'm going into the, this game with that sour taste already there, then um, I'm not sure what taste I will end up having. A sour one, I would imagine. Well, we'll, we'll, we'll see. What we'll was the last Gremlin out. game that we did? It was was it one that you did, or was yeah. it one that I did? It was. I know what it was. I've just remembered what it was. So the last Gremlin interactive game that we covered on the on the podcast was Normality, which was disappointing. Yeah, only four episodes ago. Um, oh. Yeah, yeah, and but we did end that episode listing a number of games that. Gremlin Interactive, I thought Gremlin Interactive had done that were very good. Mm. So maybe you should start preparing your list of games that you think Gremlin Interactive did a very good job of for the end of this episode when we have to lighten the mood. Oh, okay. When we have to lift ourselves out of the funk that we're going to get yeah. into. That's, that's you're preparing yourself already for that funk. I think that you should prepare for that funk because I did it last time. Right. So we share, we share the burden on this show. The funk so it's burden. your go this time. 
Right. Did you know that they developed a version, a game version of Plan 9 from Outer Space? Nope. No. Okay. They did. Is that it? That's that's the, the trivia over. Yeah, do you, not plan, you know Plan 9 from Outer Space, don't you? Is it a B-movie? It's widely regarded as one of the worst, in fact, the worst film ever made. Oh. Plan 9 from Outer Space. Is it a B-movie, though? Yeah, it's a B-movie. Right, okay. That's just wanted to, to clarify that. And they wanted uh, to make a game based on a film that's supposedly terrible. Yeah, I don't know why. It's a cult classic. So have you heard of or maybe seen the Tim Burton film Ed Wood about director have, yes. Ed Wood? Yep. Well, Ed Wood is the director of Plan 9 from Outer uh, Space. Okay, that's where I'm tracing that from then. Uh, and they made an adventure game out of Plan 9 from Outer Space. Gremlin Interactive did. So I don't know if it's good, but that's just something that I know about Gremlin Interactive. It's out of the ether that they made that game. Yeah. Well, Zool is a platform game and was designed to be a competitor... Platform uh, game. Possibly. Was designed to be a competitor for other mascot-led platform games Speedy of the time. in particular. Absolutely. And the emphasis within the studio while making it was to make it as smooth and streamlined as possible in order to, as you say, compete with other similar mascots. The result of which, if I remember correctly... So I, I played this game... The last time I played this game... It was 2010, I think. You were looking at me like, why do I know yeah, exactly? Yeah, I'm impressed yeah. you can pinpoint so it. That the reason that I know that is because I bought a copy of Zool off eBay because it was one of the cheapest SNES cartridges you could buy at the time. And I was going to gut the cartridge so that I could use it then as a flashcard for playing games on the SNES. Right. So you bought the game in order to not use it as a game, but use the contents of said cartridge. Did you presumably then have a, a razz on the game itself to, to be able to say how bad it is? I'd sold my... Oh, I'd played it before, so I knew it was not great, which is, again, one of the reasons that it's the cheapest, was the cheapest game on eBay at the time. I'd played it before, but I just bought a SNES as well, because when I was young and silly, I sold my SNES, the SNES that I originally had as a child. I let my older brother actually sell my SNES. He, I don't know how much he sold it for, even to this day, but I do know that he bought a copy of Legend of Zelda Link's Awakening out of the proceeds of said sale for me. I don't know. It, it was a very shady deal. I don't know still how much I lost out on. What I do know is that if I'd held on to the SNES, I could have sold it probably for a lot more than he sold it down the market. So I was an idiot. But that meant that I had to buy a SNES later down the line, which I still have. And I bought that around 2010. Okay. With a view to setting it up with Flashcart that had a number of games that I owned on it so that I could then store the games themselves and that they and they wouldn't get they wouldn't degrade so i was in a collector's mindset okay of sort of preserving the games that i had and the cartridge that i bought to set the flashcart up on was zool it all went arse over to anyway because the flashcart that i procured just wouldn't work so there you go had you played zool prior to 2010 then yes because i knew it as a, a sonic competitor mm -hmm. and i at one point in the early noughties i was interested in playing all the like most famous platformers so i was looking up rye stars and bubsies and oh yes all them oh, yeah. alongside the snezzes uh, alongside the the Big names, Mario's and Sonic's and whatnot. So, yeah, I was really going for it. Klonoa? I don't know. I think, actually, we were talking about Klonoa the other day. Yeah, so, Klonoa were. was one of the games that I was... Uh, that I actually remember enjoying mm. out of all mm. of those. Zool, 
I remember despising. Another one that I expected to like, Pandemonium. Did not like Pandemonium. We've talked about that before. That's the one with the Jester. Yeah. Yeah. It was on Games Master a lot. Hmm. Shady. When the PlayStation came out. Do you want to hear something that's really witty and clever? Is it about Zool? Yeah. No, then. I'm okay. I'm okay. I don't, I Zool, don't care. Zool is a character. Is a is a gremlin ninja. It's not just any ninja. It's a gremlin ninja. And what's the name of the company that, that made Zool? Yeah. It's, um, it's Gremlin, isn't it? It's Gremlin. Yeah. It's Gremlin. It's Gremlin. So I wasn't aware that he was a gremlin. You said that he's not an ant yeah. in the beginning. Well, this... It, is he definitely not an ant? Because I thought he was an ant. Yeah, well, this is a, a weird uh, phenomenon that I'm sure has a name. I don't know what the name is. You might be able to, to help me out with this. Where this almost like fake news, I guess. Uh, when the game came out, a couple of game reviews attributed Zool as being an ant for whatever reason. Maybe the, the look of his body, the legs or whatever. And that sort of stuck and gained traction. And then from there on, it snowballed and lots of right. people assumed he was an ant. And it got to the point where after lots of reviews coming out saying he was an ant that Grendon themselves actually issued a press release claiming to be and I quite like this actually they issued a press release claiming to be from the leader of an organisation that represented ants um, complaining about how Zool is not an ant and that actually uh, the character misrepresents the hard working and gentle species of ants and he is a gremlin ninja not ant thank you very much that's quite that is quite cool yeah yeah, yeah I like that cool so Gremlin. That is cool. A gremlin ninja of the nth dimension. That is correct. Who lands on Earth in order to become a full ninja. That's why he came to Earth. So when you say he lands on Earth to become a full ninja, the levels I remember have no bearing whatsoever on earthly anything. So yeah. like they seem really divorced from reality. They, I, they I remind had, me more of like, go on. They're, they're very abstract. I had exactly the same thoughts earlier when I was looking into this, that it, it's supposedly set on Earth, but the levels are really abstract and, and bizarre. And they are, they're not to me or to anyone, I think. They, they don't seem very realistic at all. Well, they're not realistic at no. all. No, I don't even need realism. I just need, like, if it's gonna, if it's set on Earth, it has to, if they're actually saying this is set on Earth, then surely it needs to have some bearing on the actual settings that they produce for for levels. You'd think so, but he's he's been sent from the nth dimension, wherever that is, to pass through these seven lands and prove himself as a ninja. These seven lands are divided into three stages, each one concluded with a boss fight, therefore 21 levels in total. Do you want a list? I'm sure you want a list. The list is... Sweet World, Music World, Fruit and Veg World, Fairground World, Toy World, Tool World, and Shoot 'em Up World. Shoot 'em Up World? Mmm... Shoot 'em up world. Yep, which is a series of shmups where you control Zool within his spaceship. So a little, little bit of variety in okay. gameplay there. Fine, yep. okay. I distinctly remember the piano in Music World. There's a, a piano that you can walk along and it like in big and you can play a, a little yeah. song on it. And apparently playing a certain song unlocks a mini game. If we get that far, then that might be something to look into. Now the- Yeah, so the other thing about this design of the level design, from what I remember, this game Again, probably coming back to the fact that it was supposed to compete with Sonic the Hedgehog quite directly. It looks far more like a... We talked previously about the visual design, the visual aesthetics of SNES games and and Mega Drive games. This sits very firmly, I would say, in the Mega Drive domain, the Mega Drive side of things, graphics-wise. Would you agree? Yeah, definitely. That's from what I remember, anyway. Yeah, it's those big, bright, bold colours... That's what I remember from the Mega Drive yeah. version, certainly. Trunkily drawn backgrounds and such. Yeah, okay. 
The Mega Drive version also includes parallax scrolling, which the Amiga Does versions it? don't. Oh. Yeah, there you go. Okay. A bit technical. James, James Pond-esque is how I would describe it. Yeah. Visually. So James Pond 2, the first James Pond is all swimming to the sea and it's yeah. James Pond's... Um, James Pond 2 is the one that's set in Santa's workshop. That's the one, yeah, Robocod. Yeah. yeah, that one. Another one that had some cross-corporate advertising because that had penguins featuring a lot in Robocod. A penguin, Pen- penguins uh, the biscuit? Uh, yes. Are you joking? Nope. <laughs> right, okay. Did not. I didn't know that at all. Yeah. Do you remember that from the, playing it? No. No, I don't. No, I clearly wasn't focused on that. Uh, me, I was you, playing that with my friends. I was probably, I don't know. You've just said biscuit. They're clearly a chocolate bar. But there you go. That's a nice bridge, actually. They're a, lunch bis- they're a lunchbox biscuit, like a club. But that's that's a whole other podcast. So. <laughs> biscuit or uh, or chocolate bar. That'd be that good. That probably exists. I, yeah, I was just going to say, I bet that exists. Which leads us nicely into a series of facts I found out about the Chupa Chups aspect of it, which is, I think, everyone's seemingly abiding memory of the game is the and i'm actually very genuinely interested so i'm gonna shut up and just listen my main thing with looking into this then was that why why chupa chups why is it that brand as opposed to any other brand and ashley's doing the international sign of money at me and essentially that is correct gremlin had developed the first level as being sweet world and they thought oh, we could turn this into a marketing opportunity. So they approached uh, Chupa Chups and said, we're developing this game. Would you be interested in us turning the lollies into specifically Chupa Chups lollies with the logo passed all over them? And Chupa Chups essentially said yes. And the Zool sponsorship and Zool being sponsored by Chupa Chups came out from that. I also noticed this corporate sponsorship also even extends to on the Game Gear version. The title screen has the Chupa Chups logo displayed prominently right in the centre of the title screen. Oh, so it all begs the question, would this be allowed today? I wondered that as well, because obviously this is junk food. Yeah. I don't think so at all. No, because there was a whole push against children's television, including advertising for junk food and sweets and whatnot. I remember, well, not interestingly, interestingly to me, the 90s, when you were watching children's TV, there were all these weird sweets that existed that just don't exist anymore. They used to be, or they might exist that I don't know of, but they used to be like these weird jelly sweets, you know, like those sticky men that you can stick to a window. No, I don't remember those at all. I remember. Ah, oh, well, there was. I remember there, f- it, like these fruit winders. Yeah, fruit winders. They existed, but they weren't as weird as things got. There was like there was all things that were super sour and acidic, and then things that were oh, super like spicy toxic barrels. <laughs> yeah, toxic that barrels. kind of thing. Or- yeah, and then there were the jelly stuff or, or the gooey stuff that like gooey sweets were. All the all the rage when I was younger. Mm-hmm. So something that you could open up and just drizzle into your mouth or whatever. Or the these things that I remember that were like long sticky jelly sweets, and you were supposed to sort of whip them at surfaces and stick them to surfaces. Which in uh, in the current climate of sort of COVID awareness maybe doesn't sound all that appealing. Well, even but in the nineties. Even back in the 90s, surely the idea of whipping something at the wall and then eating it, that's not a good 
thing. Three second rule, isn't it? As long as it's not stuck for more than three seconds. I remember going to the shop. I'm sure gems still existed in the 90s. Possibly. I remember going to the shop and finding, like, there was just new things coming out all of the time. It was a, it was like the frontier of children's confectionery. I remember particularly going and finding these weird foot-shaped ice cream type oh, things that, that were in. What with no, they weren't. They weren't ice lollies. They were in a oh. bag, and they were about they were about an inch high, and you got several of them in a little a little like grab bag of weird foot shaped sweets. But they were ice lolly or ice cream type things. Remember those? No, no. So anyway, all of that went out of the window. All of this, all of these things were advertised on children's television. All of that went out of the window whenever the legislation came in to to get rid of it. So, oh, the, the, uh, and, the fun and presumably. Police. Well, I would say that it gives pre-legislation television, children's television, a very distinctive feel hmm. because you, you're being advertised in sort of a zany 90s child-friendly way, all of these really weird curios of confectionery and fast food and, and so on. And if you go back, if you are lucky enough to find any sort of blocks of children's television from the 90s or or whatever. They're quite interesting little artifacts to watch. I bet they'll be playing this on YouTube of, you know, 90s kids they, sweet they adverts and do things exist like that. on YouTube, yeah. Uh, have you, you can get them? whole blocks, you can get whole blocks of cartoons, like children's Saturday morning cartoons. Right. And then some of them have the adverts intact. It's an interesting, interesting little uh, rabbit hole to jump down. And going back to your question, which I'd asked myself as well, uh, you know, would this happen nowadays? I think the answer is 100% no. The last one I remember was um, Dash of Destruction on the Xbox 360, which was a free game and it was it was sponsored by Doritos. Right. That was probably around 2008 or 2009. You played a dinosaur, like a big T-Rex. Remember that one? Who just loved Doritos. No, I don't remember I that at all. I can't really remember. There was a car involved as well. Shall I look it up? Yeah, I guess if I guess if a similar game came out these days, it would have to be. Well, I suppose there is fruit and veg world within all itself, but uh, yeah, I just it's it's uh, interestingly actually in the re-released version, which is coming out as I said this week, and why we're doing it this week. I've noticed in the screenshots they've released of Sweet World, it, the lollies are now just lollies; they're not chupa chups lollies anymore. Presumably, the the license would have expired or whatever anyway. But Pre- presumably, yeah. It's also uh, as I said when I started talking about this aspect of it. The advertising within Zool clearly has worked because it is the first thing that jumps to mind whenever I think of this game. It's the first thing that sprang to mind for you when we thought about Zool. So it obviously worked, but interestingly... It's not in a positive way, though, is it? No, I just remember it being so... It's just bashing over the head. It's just constant. The chupa chups like mm. everywhere. But interestingly, this is only the case in the power releases in America. The chupa chups branding was not present at all. Really? Right, that's interesting. Mm. That is it. Yeah. I didn't know that. I thought it was... A, a worldwide thing for anywhere that had chup chups. No. The other thing is, how often do chup chups actually crop up in the in the level in Sweets World? I remember candy canes, and I remember Smarties being like embedded in the what was presumably chocolate mud underneath your mm. feet. But the actual thing that I remember about lollies was the Chup Chups logo. So the Chup Chups logo was cropping up amongst in amongst non Chup Chups related confectionery. So it just it there were lots of things that made it feel like a mess. I'm interested to see if it's actually a good game. I don't think it it is likely to be. I did find some amazing facts about Chup Chups though, which I've been bursting to tell you. Can I can I do a Chup Chup Chups info dump on you? Mm. No, no, not on me. That sounds. That sounds really heinous. I might need you to 
You're just leaving it at that. Are you you're just saying, can I do an info dump on you? Are you just going to leave it at that? I'll let listeners make up their own mind uh, as to what that will entail. I'm going <sighs> to need to lean onto your Spanish um, intonation here. Chupa Chups are a Spanish company. Is a Spanish company. And it comes from the Spanish word chupar, C-H-U-P-A-R, which I'm assuming is chupar. No. I'd say it then. I don't want to act. Okay, I didn't know if I was massively over-anglicizing it there. No. And that verb, say it again. Chupa. Is to suck. Didn't know that. Yep. So, uh, chup, chup, chup is sucker, suck, I guess. The company was set up in 1958, and this is the amazing bit. You ready? Yeah. You ready? You ready? Yeah. In, in 1969, they approached Salvador Dali to create the logo for them because they were, they were struggling a bit, and... It, Dali is the person who created the yellow daisy with the Chupa Chups logo in it. I mean, that is amazing. It is, isn't it? I didn't know that at all. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's cool. And so so when we're playing Zool, we're going to be seeing this Chupa Chups logo constantly. That is a piece of Dali artwork to a certain extent. And because he was really savvy with how his painting and artwork was seen, he insisted that the Chupa Chups logo was always on the top of the lolly on the wrapping so that it can always always be seen. Because if it's on the side, the wrapping has to be bunched up and you wouldn't see it. It gets all crinkled. It's smart, it's smart marketing anyway to have it like that because it becomes very distinctive. Absolutely. But that was at, that was at Dali's insistence. Assistance that that was where the logo was. N- nothing to do with Chipper Chips themselves as a company. It's because of Salvador Dali. I feel like we're giving Zool a little bit too much credence by relating him to Dali. But yeah, again, maybe we should just leave that for the listeners. The game released to critical acclaim. Lots of reviews citing the graphics, sound, and gameplay. That's pretty much all I've got to say about the game uh, until the second half when. Uh, talk about the sequel and a few other bits and bobs. So shall we crack on and see if the memory stands or not? I thought you were going to say something like, shall we suck it and see? <laughs> or oh, man. something. Have I, you missed a trick? Did I, you miss a trick? I really should have said that. That'd shall we get Zool out and suck it and see? Or something along those lines. It sounds both slightly like an innuendo and it's also really corny and shit. So I thought you were going to go for that. But by saying it and then distancing yourself from it, we have included it within the actual episode itself. So good good work, Ashley. Well, yeah, okay. Yeah. Damn. We sucked it and we saw. Oh. Nothing to say to that? No, it's just a noise. No, I'm waiting for you to carry on. Just carry on. I was going to go for something about the game sucking, but I thought it was a bit uncharitable. I don't... Well, it, it does. There you go. <laughs> I don't have anything constructive to say, which I know is far too often the case. Well, I don't know. I try and be constructive. I try and be reasonable, reasoned in my criticism and i just don't really i feel uh, like more negative about this game having played it than i thought i would and probably more negative about this game than i felt about a game in a long time really yeah it's just left me really with a really sour feeling right F- from the light pops is that mm, do chup chups do 
sour lolly flavours. I don't think they do. I think everything's sweet. I've got no idea. I saw a goal and I took it. Ah. Well, lots of reasons, but... I had. I think I'll let you lead because you well, maybe have got some positive things. I had some. To say? Th- I had some things I liked about it. it. Essentially, the game. Some aspects of the game are fine, but some aspects of the game are far from fine, which we'll talk about in due course. The things I liked about it were, I think, that it looked very nice. It looked okay. I did say to you, in like the first level. The, the drippy chocolate that drips around the Smarties, that looked quite all mm. right. It was well drawn and everything. The movement, I fluctuated on the movement. Mm. Sort of sometimes I was feeling like it was quite fun just bezzing through a level. But then other times I've... Well, let me rephrase that. So the movement itself, the actual... The control of the character wasn't good. Yeah. Everything felt very slippery. So... That didn't feel like there was any friction. In, in most, that I can think of anyway, in most good platformers, you get a sense of friction between you and the, between the character and, and the surroundings. Even things yeah. where you've, you're quite f- fluid in the way that you move. For example, Super Meat Boy. Super Meat Boy, there's very little friction, but the friction is still there. And there's also momentum. There's also weight to the character in the best uh, platformers. The worst ones, the character is feels weightless and floaty, and that friction's not there. So everything feels slippery. Whenever you move, everything's slippery. And Zool was the worst of both worlds in those senses. It was slippery, no friction whatsoever, and Zool himself or themselves, I don't know whether he's male or female, is um, is weightless for the most part. The other thing that really, I like, it's just really terrible And when you're making a platformer is to have the camera, ha- to have no movement lag on the camera. So when Zool jumps, when Zool jumps in the air, the camera, it's, it's like he's stuck in the middle of the screen mm. and he jumps and the camera immediately chases him up so everything below the bottom of uh, everything falls off the bottom of the camera Uh, everything falls off the bottom of the screen including the things that you're about to land on yeah well it that includes targets things you're supposed to be actually landing on in order to defeat them but then also there were some platforming elements in the third or fourth level of the third or fourth stage of the first world and as you said when i was making sort of jump up because everything was then disappearing what i was supposed to be jumping on too it then made it extremely difficult to that platform. And I didn't like that because I felt that that wasn't my fault that I was struggling to make those jumps. That was the game no. disenabling me, if that's a word, from being able to, to do those jumps. That disabling would be a better. You. That was what I was reaching for. Thank you. Yes. Good, good grief. Yes. They're like the three cardinal sins of platforming, I think. And it commits them all. So yeah, it just it just it, it disables the character, the player. The the player becomes unable to achieve things that in any other better platformer they'd easily achieve. Mario and Sonic are the pinnacle for a reason, and it's because that they got their movement mostly right in both cases, and their camera worked with the player, not against it, not against them even. Zool, everything was against. But you. I was trying to start off being positive. So can I say my can yeah, I say my one I, other positive thing? What was the other thing that I was going to say though? Because I said that there were two things, didn't I? So there was the movement being a bit shit. Oh yeah, so I fluctuated. So that's positive. So for the most part, the controls and the camera aren't good. 
But then, in level three, this does lead into a negative, which we'll, we'll sort of discuss later on. But in level three, or one three, I just absolutely bezzed through it. Bezzed, for anyone that doesn't know what bezzed means, I sped through it. I went really fast through that level, and it gave me a sense of speed in the way that Sonic does when it's at its best. Which, lest we forget, it was the whole purpose of this game, was it was supposed to be a... a- mascot where it was the emphasis was on making it smooth and streamlined and to have that going through the levels i got that feeling in that level because i was just what i what i did basically was held my finger down on jump or jumped when i needed to the the benefit of doing that was that you can wall climb in this version of zool which i know that you said off off mic you can't do in all of them but you can wall climb in this version so if you hit a wall he would sort of auto jump up the side of the wall so you you did feel like you were zippy and nippy and almost like a ninja climbing and bounding across the landscape the downside so that that's a positive i like it genuinely gave me a sense of sort of freedom in the way that i was traversing the level the downside to that is the game doesn't explicitly tell you outside of the manual that the difficulty level that you choose when you start the game up dictates how many collectibles you have to collect in order to be allowed to finish the level so i actually had a bit of fun zipping through this level without a care in the world not collecting the collectibles unless they were directly in my path and i got to the end of the level and i wasn't allowed to collect the medal to end that level so i was stuck in it until i went back into the level to collect more collectibles wasn't best pleased just to clarify the collectibles aspect of it i was on easy mode because why would you not easy mode you had to collect 25 percent of the collectibles in order to complete the level normal mode which what ashley was on you had to collect 50 percent of them and then was hard 75 it can't have been 100 percent surely yes it was right yeah and the, the collectibles are they're out in the open they're not difficult to find and they're all themed around whatever world you're on so sweet world they're all smarties dolly mixtures uh, gummy sweets things like that in the second world they're cds uh, music notes you know so so they, they're in keeping with the theme of it and they're not difficult to find but if you're breezing through like ashley did then you're not going to get the certain criteria that you've been that you are required to do in order to complete level Yeah, there are multiple problems, I feel, with this. So the first one is that the game doesn't explicitly tell you or signal that you need to collect these collectibles, that it's important to finishing the the levels. The second one is... I thought it was just in the ones things like in Roll of the Rescue, for example, another Mega Drive platform we played, where they were just there in order to beef up your score for no actual reason. Precisely, yeah. The second issue with it, really, and this is probably... This is a real problem. It's one that I've said about with the rings in Sonic before... The most fun I've had, the most fun I had with this game tonight was when I wasn't, was disregarding the collectibles and just freely moving around the environment that I'm given. That's the most fun I had. And then that was in direct contravention with this collecting the collectibles or being bothered about the collectibles and finding them. So yeah, they don't, they just don't meet up the, the free movement sort of thing, the free running style that they kind of, didn't nail but they captured that if they if the collectibles weren't part of the equation they did capture that i felt that Mm. i certainly experienced free running free movement something or other in this game today however when collectibles are factored in the fact that you have to collect 75 percent or 50 percent or 25 percent or any of them in order to finish a level totally 
undercuts, undermines that. So there you go. Uh, the other thing is that, like I said, no signal in game that you actually have to collect them. If you have to collect 50% of the collectibles, then there should be some kind of counter to say there are 150 mm-hmm. collectibles in this level. You have collected 55 of them. Therefore, you have not yet collected 50% of them. There wasn't even a percentage on the on the hood. That's that you mentioned that actually. No, there wasn't anything. So there was your timer. There were your lives. There was your life for this particular run, and and your score. Um, some other information, but there wasn't. And your score, yeah, but nothing actually to say three hundred collectibles in this mm. level. You've got this many, which actually, as you've pointed out, is pretty essential. It's it, they've made it essential. It's the point of the levels. Every level, you're supposed to collect so many collectibles in order to progress. If it's a need, if it's an absolute necessity, then you need mm. to be informed in some manner that it is and how far away you are from Which succeeding. Which the situation that Ashley got into where he got to the end of the level he was on and this medal that he had to collect to complete the level was flashing. He had no understanding as to why it was flashing. It was by watching a YouTube video in the end and sort of gradually no, piecing together. No, I, I went and, and then, found the manual. Yeah, and then looking at the manual that you were able to sort of understand because the YouTube video was, well, they've got to the end and I, they seem to have yeah, followed yeah, a, a, true, a similar yeah. route mm. t- to myself. And then it was then reading the manual. Oh, okay, that's what I need to do. Uh, yeah, bit of a strange game design choice. The levels were also very linear. We, we talked about how Mario and Sonic... There are multiple ways through each of those levels in more Sonic, certainly. yeah, more, more Sonic, yeah, more yeah. Sonic. Actually, yeah, you're yeah. right. But in this, it was just going from A to B and following the path that the developers had set down for you. There was no deviation from that. Well, there was to a certain extent, but you'd you would end up looping back down to the the path that they wanted you to take, and that was that. What I said was that there are no landmarks in the levels. Yeah. That Mario and Sonic again, as as pinnacles of the genre, consistently throughout their level design, from the very first games to the very current games, to the, to the most current games, they've always designed it seems levels around landmarks. So in Sonic, uh, the Hedgehog, in Sonic the Hedgehog games, you get your um, loop de loops, and they they are they serve oftentimes as um, points of. They, they navigation contact points yeah geographic contact points navigational tools navigational aids because uh, even now without thinking about it i know that there's a loop to loop that's got a, a one-up box yeah. on top of uh, and i know that when i'm there i'm this far away from the end or or when i get to the bridges that have got this the fish jumping out of the chasms that i'm at this point or when i when i get to the thorny bridge that spins around i know that I'm here, I'm here, I'm here, I'm here at all times. The same with Mario games. I'm I'm at this point or I'm at this point or I'm at this point. There is nothing distinguishing. There are no distinguishing features to the levels in Zool. Nothing. It's all just the same. It all looks the same. If you were if you were to compare it to actual geographical features, it would be like standing in a 300 million hectare field just a flat field full of corn nothing but that that's what a zool level is on that note actually the chipper chips uh corporate branding was a lot less aggressive than i remembered it being so that's nice yeah it was on the main title screen yeah which is that I not aggressive and while there were lollipops that you could see had chipper chips on in the background there were also just 
there were several occasions where the logo was just there for no actual reason other than to just yeah. be reminding you of this branding. I guess you could maybe say those are geographical points within the level. They're but not though, they're, are they? But they're, they're not. They're, they're just there. Yeah. You can't even go, oh yeah, I've hit that particular Chupa Chups logo or the hit boxes that served as checkpoints that you had to fire at in order to activate or whatever they don't even stand out as checkpoints <laughs> like they are supposed mm-hmm. to be checkpoints they they're supposed to be literal points for you to check in and they just don't stand out as 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 anything it's just so bland everything's bland the first time i ran through the, the first level i assumed that going past those hit boxes that served as checkpoints just by passing them like in sonic would be enough to mark them as being done but you actually have to fire some of um sort of projectiles at them in order to uh, to turn them on also at that point also bit finicky some... as well those they were but that's, yeah they were that's really not the biggest issue with the game another thing to pick up on there as well as the projectile Zul has infinite things you can throw at enemies mm. which then led to scenarios which then led to me playing the game the complete opposite to Ashley whereas I was inching forward and then just jumping and shooting the whole time in order to mow enemies out of my path as I gradually inched my way through the level which made it very boring. That sounds really boring. <laughs> but it meant I wasn't getting hit by enemies. And I quickly stopped doing that because it was boring. So having these projectiles there, but no ends to them, it reminded me of uh, the, the opposite to that would be Mickey Mania, where they, where Mickey did have projectiles, but that was a certain, exactly, and you had to pick them up in order to I don't through. have a problem with that. You said that the last set of levels is shoot em at world. Or yeah. whatever. Well, that is the same in the shoot 'em up. One of the features of most shoot 'em ups, I can't think of one that doesn't have this, is just an infinite number of ammo. And sometimes you can pick up power ups that are limited in some in some shoot 'em ups. So you might pick up a a three laser beam power up which only lasts for so many shots or or say you you're playing something with guns, you might have a, a pistol as your normal gun that is infinite and then you might pick up a shotgun or a, a machine gun or something that has 200 bullets that you can that's finite but then you return to your pistol which is infinite well think about the fantasy zone which we did only a couple of episodes ago and it's exactly the same system you've outlined there isn't it yeah yeah exactly yeah so i should have probably used fantasy zone as my my example but here we go uh, and the fact that they've got a shoot 'em up world actually in the game maybe they're sort of Maybe there's an illusion there for them. Maybe they are alluding to shoot 'em ups. Maybe they were they were fans of shoot 'em ups or something, and Possibly. therefore incorporated that into their design choices, which is is fine. I, I think I don't I don't really take issue personally. I can understand what you're saying, but I don't take issue with unlimited ammo. It, it's just part of the the design choice that they've made. The other thing I wanted to say that was nice about the game uh, back at the start of the second half was that I quite like the music. Yeah, it was okay, but can you remember it now? Nope, not at all. No, no. It it, it was good at first because it's quite upbeat, wasn't it? Yeah. And uh, it had quite, it was high tempo. That's what I mean. Yeah. It was high tempo. It was sort of like dance music, but chiptune style. And I, I was uh, on the same page. I quite enjoyed it, but then it quickly dipped below my register. I wasn't even acknowledging that it was there yeah. after a certain point. So, yeah, it, it started off good, but actually maybe a little bit bland like the rest of the game. Last negative from me for the game before we talk about the uh, legacy of Zool was that I got onto the boss of the first world. Obviously, I actually didn't because as we talked about, he had this whole collectible fiasco. Uh, The boss was awful. 
I probably spent about seven lives, I think, uh, trying to defeat it. And I didn't really feel any sense of achievement having finally completed it. I just it felt that it was just a sheer fluke that I had. And it was just not very interesting and overly difficult. Yeah, I didn't experience that, thankfully. That's an interesting point to pick one there, actually. I set the game to be as easy as possible by putting it on easy mode. But then also the continues, you could choose how many continues from zero to five. So I would set it as five continues, because why would you not? I think that's quite an interesting idea that they included that. Yep, we've always liked to trumpet accessibility options. Yeah. And that certainly in in the nineties would have been a, a welcome accessibility option for a lot of people. Yeah. Obviously it's not accessibility in the way that we talk about accessibility now. It's heavy lifting I'm for kind again. of misusing accessibility, aren't I, in order to talk about Yeah. That they are making the game accessible for people in terms of difficulty. Yep. That's what they're doing. And that that's to be applauded and certainly in the 90s accessibility oftentimes wasn't going much further than that even at the best of times so uh, for, for them to do that is is a positive i suppose are you surprised a sequel came out i didn't know about the sequel you told me about this a couple of episodes yeah, ago I yeah think, possibly and that there's a female protagonist alongside Zul. I believe so. This game ends on a cliffhanger in terms of the plot. I'm not sure what the cliffhanger is because I kind of thought I'd get that far tonight, but hey-ho. And Zul 2 came out in November 1993, so only just over a year after this first one. Now, I talked about, and I mentioned Zul 2 a couple of weeks ago, that it, it was something I was aware of but didn't know anything about it. It turns out that Zul 2 only ever came out on Amiga consoles. Ah. So that would why? be why. I, I don't know. Right, okay. So November 1993, Saw 2 came out on a relatively narrow uh, band of consoles, and that was it for Saw. Nothing has happened with the brand ever since. Although, bizarrely, in February 1995, a couple of novels aimed at uh, late primary school, I guess, w- were released called Zool Rules and Cool Zool. My question to that would be, why were these books coming out you know, two and a half years after the first game. Seems a little strange for, for there to be no games being released simultaneously, but hey-ho. Mm. As I said, no Zool games came coming out after that, apart from a PlayStation 2 port of this game, the original Zool. But from what I can see looking into that, I think that was a fairly um, illicit port of Zool that wasn't supported by Gremlin Interactive themselves. And as we talked about in the first half, the reason we are doing this game today is because Sumo Digital, who are a games company based in Sheffield that includes many Gremlin staff who actually worked on this uh, game, are releasing... Uh, so when I was talking, let me just... Okay. When I was talking about Bone Loaf, who are a Sheffield-based development studio, and I was saying to you at the beginning of this episode, uh, Bone Loaf, are Bone Loaf the remnants, or, or did, did Gremlin... Then did some people from Gremlin create Bone Loaf? When I was when I was trying to figure that out earlier on, and you were like, "Oh, I have no idea what you're talking about." Actually, Sumo Digital is what I was talking about, but I'd got it. I'd, right. I'd mixed up the, and you were no help whatsoever, even though you knew, even though you knew, it's that it had happened. It's because they Bone Loaf at me, like the name for a, a, a metal album from right the nineties. But Gremlin then yeah. created some people from Gremlin then created Sumo Digital. Correct. Right. So okay. Right. Fine. So I'd got it wrapped around my neck a little bit. Yeah. But it happened. Okay. The re-release this week is called Zool Redimensioned, 
and released uh, at the time of the episode coming out yesterday, the 18th of August. Uh, yep. This is o- only available on Steam. The press release for this says that it's a brand new reimagining rebuilt for modern audiences, um, specifically within Sumo Digital. Sumo Digital are the company, the developers, and within that, there is a, I think this is quite applaudable, really. It's a subgroup within Sumo Digital called the Sumo Digital Academy, which is which is a talent development program. So these are people who have been cherry-picked, perhaps, or people who want to become games developers and have been supported through that process. And this game, Zool Redimensioned, is a way for them to cut their teeth. And they've been supported by staff who work at Gremlin, who worked on the original game, which, again, I think is, is very good. And at the time of recording, the Steam page is active but it doesn't have the price so i don't know how much this game will release for but half of the profits from this game go will go back into sumo digital academy for them to continue growing this new talent which again i think is brilliant um i looked i looked into the quality of life options they've brought into this uh reimagining of the game some of the things they're putting in are speedrun times checkpoints redesigned boss fights which having played through that first boss i would be interested to see what that looks like uh, achievements a level select accessibility options a hardcore ultimate ninja mode or baked within it there is the mega drive original which we've played uh, tonight you can just replay through that as well Zool will also be available on the upcoming amiga mini which is due to come out early 2022 uh, amiga are jumping on that whole shrunk down version of, of a, mm. a console from years ago uh, with loads of games put onto it so if, if you're into Zool maybe I'll have something to keep an eye out for and the last thing I wanted to mention was we've talked a few times about bitmap books who yeah. are a very good books company if you're into sort of uh, games and coffee table books they they really have nailed that uh, they have released a book called a gremlin in the works which is a as the name would suggest a study of gremlin interactive as a company from their inception through to their demise and a second edition of that is due out in october 2021 with some updated content and additional uh, features and interviews and things but zool features it within that book so if you are yeah. a zool head then that might be something to look out for. Or if indeed you're interested in Gremlin Interactive, we've talked about obviously all today, but in back in the normality episode, we mentioned a few of their other games, like Hogs of War, for example, is in this book. Yeah. So Gremlin Gremlin do have good output. And again, just to reiterate, one of the one of the games that we will be covering that I know isn't your cup of tea, but Premier Manager, they they created that series and I, and there are a couple of those games that I played and I really enjoyed them and I, I'm not even a, a massive football fan and I wasn't when I was playing them. I just really enjoyed the like the stats-based uh, management system. They've put out other games. Body Harvest is one of the ones that I probably mentioned and as you said, Hogs of War, another really good game. Um, the actual games, you mentioned the actual games. There's actual soccer and actual uh golf and actual tennis and all those and they're very well regarded so it's not i feel you know like we've done a couple of their games just recently and it feels like we're heading down a a path of you know gremlin games aren't very good but actually my experience with them has been mostly positive it's just that we've covered two that haven't been brilliant for us the other caveat to what we've said because we have been quite heavy quite down on Zool and I kind of was anticipating that I kind of expected that would be the case I've played more of the game in the past tonight we've played the first world I think you and I we are also both very into our platformers we really enjoy platform games I think that 
that is so we, we do know what we're talking about what i would say is that we also acknowledge that not everything has to be everybody's cup of tea to to i'm trying to be balanced this is what i'm this is what i'm doing i'm trying to bring balance to what feels like it has been a bit of a shit fest for sure <laughs> because the reality is i know that this has got a, this this game has got a following or you know it's got fans it's got people that remember it fondly if you're one of those people maybe turn off about 50 minutes ago and forget what we've said because this just it's just is not our it's not our bag it's not our thing it doesn't mean it can't be yours and it clearly has got an audience as you've said yeah there's there's no uh in 2021 no one is crying out for a, a rollo to the rescue uh reimagining no, no yeah it, it boggles my mind why zool redimensioned exists and i would be interested to see how it does and to see how big the interest actually is in zool and i don't usually do this for games i don't usually like if it's crap normally i'll let that stand but i do know that zool is a bit of a divisive thing i don't again (laughs) to go back to it i don't understand why it's a divisive thing i think it's terrible (laughs) but I understand that other people don't. Well, if you're a Zool head, the turns I've coined, tonight, I'm sticking with it. If you're a Zool head, then come and let us know on our social media. We're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube. Come and let us know why you think it's so good. We'd love to hear from you. And while you're doing that, if you could also like, share, subscribe, rate, review, that would be wonderful. Yep. Thanks for listening. We'll see you later. Cheerio.